Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, today, I will be um, chatting with Art Markman, um, who I recently um, connected with um, because I read his Harvard Business Review article, You're Never Going to Be Caught Up at Work, Stop Feeling Guilty About It. And I thought that this was something that was good timing for a lot of a lot of our audience and just wanted to talk to him a little bit about his research, this particular article, and just his general business experience. So let me pass it over to you, Art, and why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, um, so I'm a, I'm a professor at the University of Texas in the psychology department. I run a program here called the Human Dimensions of Organizations, where we take the disciplines of the liberal arts, the humanities, the social, the behavioral sciences, and bring them to people in business to help them do the things that they do a little bit better. I, am, I have focused my research on reasoning, decision-making, motivation, and in addition to writing papers that get read by 30 of my closest colleagues, I spend a certain amount of time trying to bring insights from my field outward. Uh, so I blog for Psychology Today, Fast Company, Harvard Business Review. I have a radio show and podcast called Two Guys on Your Head. And uh, I've written a few books uh, on, on a variety of topics about how to, how to use cognitive science to change your life. Awesome. So what brought about the idea for this article? So um, as it turns out, I, this particular article came, came about through a conversation I was having with the editors at Harvard Business Review. Um, they are, they are going to be, Harvard Business Review is going to be kind enough to publish my next book, which I'm just finishing on the psychology of the workplace. And we were batting some ideas around. And, and one of the things that they were talking about is I've written a little bit before about people's to-do lists and why it's useful to, to, um, to maintain a to-do list, even if you don't finish everything on it. And they said, well, but what happens when you never reach the end of your to-do list and you start feeling bad about it? And mm -hmm. so I decided it would be useful to actually think through these issues of guilt and shame and, and how those can, under, or at least guilt, can sometimes be uh, a useful force, but often neither guilt nor shame turns out to be helpful. Right. So what kind of response have you had to the article so far? You know, it's it's been great. Uh, I've I've had several people reach out with comments. I, I've had a couple of people who've reached out and said uh, I'd love to talk about this a little bit further. So uh, so that's always nice. I think it was sitting uh, as as one of the more popular articles on the site. So clearly, it's a it's a topic that has touched a nerve. Sure, sure. Now, how I know that you know. Obviously, everything that you say in this article about, you know, don't feel guilty be about finishing your list or, you know, wh why would it matter if I'm worried, <laughs> you know, all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but what, what do you say to people who, you know, they're taking tons of work home every day because they can't finish it all up and they, they really can't get caught up at work? Um, and the pressure that they feel maybe from their bosses about the fact that they have to finish everything and they have to they have to get caught up where they really are working you know a million hours a day and you know they really are they're not slacking off at all yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, what, yeah. what kind of advice would you give for those people well i think we have to recognize first that we we live in this epic culture of busyness mm -hmm. which you know the, the dominant response that people give to you when you ask them how they're doing is that they're busy and i think legitimately people are busy it's not just something we say we have really pushed ourselves to the max as a way of trying to be as productive as possible. And I, I think that one of the things that we have to do is, is to recognize that if we're going to work at our peak, 
there's just a limited number of hours a day we can do that. And that, mm-hmm. and that when you put in too many hours on a particular day, you are basically robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're going you're gonna to suffer the consequences of that on, a, on another day. You're going to end mm-hmm. up doing what I affectionately call fake work where you sit at your desk and Google things at random, not because you don't have a ton of things to do, but because you just don't have the mental capacity anymore to keep working effectively. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a reason why we need to go home and spend time with friends and family or engage in our hobbies or even allow the latest episode of our favorite television show to wash over us. We need that downtime, and, and it's useful not just from a rest and relaxation standpoint, but because many of the problems that we're asked to solve at work require a little bit of creativity. And you can't allow ideas to percolate in your head if you're constantly rushing from one task to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And, and you know, um, myself as a, an instructional designer, so much of my work is I have to be creative, um, and I and sometimes I feel like if my my work, you know, if I take on too many tasks or something like that, that creative part of my mind just completely shuts off. Yeah, yeah. No, there there are just definitely times that you need to allow something to sit for a while. I know I'm I have a, a finally have a complete draft of this book that I'm working on now, and uh, it still needs some some work. I'm I'm editing various sections and. Yesterday, I was actually struggling with a, a particular passage that, that wasn't really flowing the way I wanted it to. I didn't feel like I was making the point the way I wanted to. And I put it aside, and I went for a swim. And, uh, and this morning, when I woke up, I realized what I had to do. Mm-hmm. So clearly, getting away from it for a while and, and putting it to the side was, was actually a benefit. So, uh-huh. so it didn't make me less product, productive not to do some work. It actually made me more productive. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So, you know, you've mentioned this book that you're working on a few times. Are you able to talk a little bit about what it's going to be about? Or, I mean, the overall idea? I'm happy to do that. The the tentative title for the book is Bring Your Brain to Work. And it's going to be on the psychology of career management. So how do you you get a job and how do you excel at that job and then get the next one? And I think the the idea there is that there's just a a lot of psychology, both both, uh, individual psychology, but also understanding the psychology of recruiters and bosses and supervisors and things like that that can help people to navigate their careers. And uh, I've been writing a lot about that, particularly for Fast Company and Harvard Business Review over the last several years. And it occurred to me that if people were reading the blog entries I was writing, it's entirely possible that they, they needed a longer form discussion of that. Yeah, yeah. So I and that's that's such a good a good topic and so um so relevant to um you know what the world needs today, what business professionals need today. Um so if someone's listening right now that you know either is going into their first job or maybe they're looking for a new job, what's the number one thing that you would tell them? So one of the things to that, that I think people really need to think about is what is the, the, the relationship between your ability to learn and the values of the organization that you're in? So a lot of times I think people early on in their careers are afraid to admit things that they don't know how to do. Perhaps they feel that they were hired into a position they don't deserve to be in. They suffer from a version of what's called imposter syndrome. Uh, perhaps they are just worried that if they 
make a mistake, that they're going to get punished for it. And the fact is that one of the things that everyone needs to learn early on is that, is that if you are completely qualified for the job that you're hired into, then chances are you aimed too low. And, and you need to, to, to pick a job that is going to allow you to grow into it. And the organization needs to be one that's going to support you in that growth. And part of supporting people in that growth means allowing them to make mistakes and supporting them in the learning process of making mistakes. And I tell almost everybody that there's no surer way to get a boss to trust you than early on to admit to a mistake you made, to discuss what it is you think you could do better, and to ask for advice. Because what, what most supervisors want more than anything else is not someone who can do everything perfectly immediately, but someone who's willing to come and ask for help as soon as they need it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, first of all, I remember, you know, before I got my first job, or maybe it was when I, when I you know, around the time I had my first job, um, and, you know, someone said to me, you know, just because you don't have all of the, the required skills they're asking for on, on the list, um, don't think that you shouldn't apply. And I remember like thinking, oh, well, I guess that's kind of true. And I can't remember what the percentage of things that they said were, you know, you should have on the list, but let's say it was 50%. I don't know. Um, but that's such a, a good point. And also, you know, exactly what you, if you, you already have 100% of the list of everything that's on the list, then, then what, what growth opportunity is there for you? Then it's kind of a, just a lateral move potentially. That, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, your career can't continue to advance unless you're putting yourself in that situation of picking up new skills and developing yourself in, in new ways. And, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, that's the thing that gets us, generally speaking, uh, energized to get up and come to work in the morning is, mm -hmm. is that we're excited for the new challenges of the day. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I liked that you said was about how telling your boss or your colleague or, you know, whoever what you don't know and asking for help is what builds trust. And I can't say how true that is. I mean, I would much, when I, you know, I think about colleagues or, you know, people that I work with, I have such a better relationship with them when they tell me that, hey, I don't know, I'm not comfortable with this, or, you know, what step do I need to get to, to do to get to X? Um, that, that makes me appreciate and feel like our relationship is so much better and so much like you said, so much more trusting um, when they come to me for that. I think that's so important. And, and it allows you to go beyond the things that you thought you were capable of. I mean, I look back over my career. One of, the, one of my favorite experiments that I ever ran involved looking at the influence of the way that people communicate, who communicate with each other, the influence of that communication on the, the way that people form categories about the world. And I ran that experiment back when I was teaching at Columbia University in the, in the mid-1990s, and it turned out that two of my colleagues were some of the world's leading experts on uh, the understanding of, of interpersonal communication. And when I had this idea to do the study, I just walked into their offices and I said, listen, I have this idea to do this experiment. Please tell me all of the things that I'm likely to do wrong uh, if I make up how to do this myself. And they walked me through all of the pitfalls in ways that allowed me to do what turned out to be a fairly complex set of studies uh, in a way that was as effective as it could possibly be. And, and I would never have been able to do that if I had really kept all of my concerns about how to do this work to myself. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So tell me, for people who, you know, do not know you that may be listening, um, what is your story? How did you get to be where you are? I, uh, gosh, I, I, had, I was a cognitive science major uh, back when I was in college, and, and I'd never heard of that uh, at the time. And, and I went to college assuming I was going to be either an economist or a physicist. And as I like to say, I took economics and I didn't like it. And then I took physics and it didn't like me. Uh, but, but along the way, I realized that I was really fascinated with the way minds work. And I ended up uh, as a, a, a largely doing computer programming, but, but, but studying the way minds work and going to graduate school in, in psychology. And, and then, you know, learning, I think, this very valuable lesson that it's very hard to envision for yourself what's going to happen to you in your future. And, and so while I had lots of plans about how I wanted my career to go, I, I was also very open to seeing what opportunities were out there for me. And, and so I got a job at Columbia University, uh, ultimately got another uh, job offer after I'd been there for five years at, at the University of Texas, have done a lot of research, was given an opportunity to help run a brand new program here and, and took that opportunity, even though I never envisioned myself as somebody who was going to be doing some amount of administration. Um, started blogging and 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 then got uh, an invitation to to think about writing books in in addition to to the blogging and tried that and then got an invitation to 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 work on a radio show out of our local NPR station and and you know it it I think I think the best lives are the ones that are a series of happy accidents in which you take advantage of things that never occurred to you to do but seem exciting when they get put in front of you yeah that's totally true about the happy accidents. I was just speaking to someone um, on another podcast right before before I was speaking to you, and they were saying, you know, for people who do instructional design or, you know, uh, some sort of training capacity or even, you know, uh, that teach, you know, it, did we, did any of us ever get here on purpose? <laughs> Right. So it's it's interesting, you know, the paths that, you know, life's decisions, you know, or the people that are around you and the influences that you have, how they can really affect your life. Yeah, I, I often tell people to, to, to do your best not to edit your life story in the forward direction because it's really only going to make sense when you look back on it. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. So if people were to come to your blog, what kind of stuff would they read about? So I have a few different kinds of blogs that I, I write. Uh, I have written for almost, actually for a little over 10 years now uh, for Psychology Today. And what I do for them is to take papers that have come out recently in the psychology literature and, and to just give people a flavor of what that research was about and why they should care about it. And then for Fast Company and Harvard Business Review, I try to take common problems that people face in the workplace and try to put a psychology spin on them to, to really think about what are some of the psychological elements that are at play and how might that suggest that you do things perhaps differently than you've done them in the past. And then my radio show and podcast is called Two Guys on Your Head. It's, uh, it's a conversation I have with a colleague of mine. Uh, it, it, if you've ever listened to the NPR show Car Talk, we're sort of like Car Talk, but for the mind. And it's a seven and a half minute show where we take random topics everywhere from the really serious things like how to be happy or how to deal with grief to the less serious things like why is it that kitten videos are so cool. 
and, uh, and try to help uh, explain some of the underlying psychology of that. Excellent. I love that the name of two guys on your head. That's very clever. So kudos for you for that name. Thanks. So we're getting. Yeah, to the I, end I, I would like to say that I titled that. Actually, as far as I can tell, I'm I'm good at many things, but I'm not particularly good at titles. <laughs> no, everybody has their forte, and you certainly have yours. So <laughs> we won't we won't blame you for not being good at titles. <laughs> so as we get to the end of our time. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share? Anything that you um, want to make sure that you convey today? You know, the, the big thing for me, and I think one of my overarching missions in life, is to recognize that and to tell people to remember that almost everyone they know has a mind and almost nobody knows how that mind works mm -hmm. because the, uh, the modern science curriculum, which was laid down at the beginning of the 20th century, focuses primarily on biology, chemistry, and physics, because those were the mature sciences back at the beginning of the 20th century. And as a result, most people don't study much psychology, despite the fact that they would benefit from knowing more of it. And mm -hmm. thankfully, there's a lot of great resources out there to discover more, whether it's blogs or some of the great books that are out there or podcasts. And, and to really delve into that and to get more conversant with some of that work, because you can live your life better make yourself more productive, happier, and, and help yourself to get along better with other people just by learning a little bit more uh, about the way that you think. And, and I think that's perhaps the best investment that people can make in their time these days. Yes, and that's great advice, great advice. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Um, everyone, be sure to connect with Art on Twitter. Um, I also will post links to um, his books um, and to the Harvard Business Review article that I read that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and Art, thank you so much for coming on the, on the show today, and um, I look forward to connecting with you further in the future. Well, thank, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.